0: In today's quest, we are going to be talking about the man who conquered Rome, Italy, and all over the place, sir. This is Odoacer, and this is the Quest for Power. Welcome to the Quest for Power, where we are ranking and reviewing all of the European monarchs from the early Middle Ages to World War I. Today, we are your fellow knowledge tracers of Odoacer's work, Scott and Michael. We will walk into pronunciations because we've chosen Odoacer today as our pronunciation because we saw multiple spellings. So this is a great chance for us to talk about the complexities <laughs> and how you should probably not string us up on this pronunciation because we saw several spellings and this is what we went with.
1: Oh uh, yeah, I've also heard of Otto Odovacer, I mean O-D-O-V-A-C-E-R, so there's that one as well, Wikipedia had, but I don't really trust Wikipedia that much.
0: Yep, about as far as you can throw it, which is yeah. to say, n- not at all, because you can't pick up a website.
1: Yeah, yeah. I probably trust it as much as I trust Jordanias. It's, Jordan's apparently, is Jordanias, and I'm probably still going to say Jordanes, because that's just easier to say than Jordanias.
0: Well, we've been, uh, we're still kicking, so <laughs> clearly our mispronunciations have not been uh, too noticed yet, so... We're still doing okay. I would have to agree. So all right, so with those formalities out of the way of us uh, having our uh, plea for forgiveness, we can uh, we can move on with the show here. So Michael, what are you up to? Well,
1: uh, last night I played unfortunately, um, Mario Party and we put hard difficulty on it was my wife and i against computers and uh it was the i think it's mario party 8 i believe where you can actually team up and the difficulty isn't that they make smarter decisions it's the difficulty that the game just cheats and gives them like if you need a
0: certain amount of steps they happen to get that but we don't uh the uh the classics uh way of having difficulty monitored in a game just yeah they play the same exact same way they just get more freebies yeah and
1: oh that just drives me up the wall like i i we're playing right now um harry potter they have a they have a harry potter battle game and that one it actually has difficulty an increasing difficulty but since since it's a board game there's no bullshit behind the scenes or anything like that
0: well yeah there can be bullshit in board games as far as like them giving you or i'm sorry giving the ai as it were if you're playing against a board game like freebies oh yeah like hey if you're yeah. playing on hard have them start with this instead They may have different rules that, you know, they follow, but...
1: Yeah, um, this one doesn't seem to do that. You go through episodes, obviously, one through seven, and as you increase the episodes, it gets harder and harder. And it's a deck-building game, so it's kind of nice if you screw up one time, you can probably, you know, figure out what you did wrong and
0: win the next. So you're saying that because it follows the books, and you're kind of at least someone playing out. are you suggesting that you could be placed in the books and be characters making rational decisions. <laughs> Unlike the characters in the book. I was going to say,
1: yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They don't really make intelligent decisions. Harry's kind of an yeah. imbecile, if you need it. At least it's in character, I guess. That's the yeah. one thing. Harry, yeah. don't
0: do the thing. I'm doing the thing. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And then also, I think I saw something between their differences between Ron in the books and Ron in the movies is like Ron in the movies is like, oh, Harry, I'm too lazy to like, you know, I, I don't want to yeah. die. You you just speak for yourself versus Ron in the books is like, you're going to have to go through me. You're going to have to go through Hermione all to get to Harry. Like
0: he yeah. will put his life too on loyal. the line.
1: But in the movies, they're like, nah, Hermione is the, is the one true. Um, character
0: yeah well that she's like a minor psychopath in the books
1: oh my god yeah the fact that she puts like a human being in a jar i mean yeah they transformed into a beetle and they're kind of horrible they're, but yeah they're a horrible that's, person that's that's a psychopathic move like that's insanity if you think about it yeah a little bit
0: especially because <laughs> they're like a teenager so any what have you been up to? We haven't talked in a uh, while. Yeah, it's been a bit. So uh I have I guess I, I say apart from too much I say I played magic for the first time like in a store for the longest time. Uh, it's probably been like half a year or something since I've like gone and played in a store for like Friday night magic stuff. so were you uh, successful? minorly? It was like middle of the pack, which is to say enough to, get the prize support which is enough to pay for the the next event oh there you go like an extra like dollar or so of like store credit i'm playing for company script michael (laughs) (laughs) there you go no it's 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 fun uh i did okay so all in all it was a good time
1: are you playing the one where you have to play against the new cards that are always coming out every what
0: is it three months um more, more oh so that. yeah there's like this um for people who are less familiar with uh magic there's like different ways to play and there's one that rotates uh every like year a couple years basically or new sets come out so the answer is i do play with new cards i do not play uh, in the rotation thing but new cards are always coming out so it's always a chore to keep up the amount yeah. of times i had to like stop the game and be like i Kind of know what this does, but let me, like, read your cards quick, because this is uh, a wall of text. A lot more yeah. lot more text on cards these days than there used to be. Is it like the Yu-Gi-Oh!
1: ones, where sometimes it would, like, be just, you know, <laughs> they just, just lines and lines? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you
0: know, thankfully, uh, it is not that bad, but I think the real part is that they uh, they have keywords, which help shorten things up. So, oh, that's good. Yeah, because in Yu-Gi-Oh!, I remember when we played that when we were younger, and it was like you had to be a lawyer to play that game. Oh, you still kind of have to be a lawyer for this, but it's not as, like, prevalent, I guess. Got that, it. And okay. they, they, they have a lingo, you know? Like, oh, I'm sure. Y- you speak, yeah. like, if, if someone says, like, oh, this thing has haste, everyone knows what you're talking about. And okay. the actual rules text is kind of lengthy for haste, but the you know you can shorthand it and so the the text boxes on cards are deceptively like short so like it might say three words it might be like haste first strike vigilance those are th- you know three key words that in reality represent a wall of text but you know it's something that as you play you just know it and you don't really need to think about it so it's really clever uh like rules and word smithing to make it so that way you have an idea of like what the card does
1: and not having to like you don't have
0: to read a wall of text every time it's like okay here are words that i know and then here's stuff that i don't know let me read that stuff okay yeah i can see that so yeah it's not technically it's technically like not less text it's just that it's less cumbersome yeah okay but moving on to different text
1: (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say now that we've preferred have uh officially really labeled ourselves as true nerds. I mean, we're doing a history podcast, you can't get more nerdy than what? that as well. <laughs> Let's get on to the sources, our favorite thing. So our sources for Odoacer are, are like the best hits we have so far. We have our favorite dubious gothic narrator, Jordanes, who I just love as using as a source punching bag. It's kinda of fun. Or, or Yeah, I'll is call him Jordanias. I think it is. I don't know. It's gothic, if that tells you anything. He's from Spain. So I don't know if that that doesn't really mean anything, though, because...
0: Because things are pronounced different back in the day versus what they are now.
1: Yeah, they kind of had the whole Visigoths are kind of wiped. And we'll get into this, I don't know, years down the road, when the Visigoths get wiped out by the the, um, Islamic Caliphate. So, I mean, that's going to change the language. Yeah that'll do it we we have all that well besides jordanias we have our saint gregory of tours who is writing on behalf of the franks and then we have procopius who is writing in eastern emperor emperor justinians i almost said julian julian is long dead justinian's court over in constantinople now istanbul that's right uh, he was also mentioned in the life of St. Severinus by, I'm not even going to pronounce it, E-U-G-I-P-P-I-U-S, Eugippius.
0: Oh, uh, oh, wait, let me let me double read this. Um, oh, actually, no, it, the name sounded familiar, but I might have been mixing it up with literally any other name. Uh, yeah, Eugippius <laughs> <laughs> sounds right. Eugippius, all right, we'll
1: use Eugippius, and this was written in the 5th century, so this is the closest as you can get. Um, and since we're dealing directly with Rome, we have our second-hand source, Vic, uh, our favorite Victorian Gibbon, and uh, sp- this is what his, I mean. His book is literally follow the Roman Empire. So Odo Acer is what his entire book is about. I mean, it gets a long time to get there, but anyway, on to the main quest. Today, we are jumping back in time once again to the backdrop of the crumbling ruins that is the Western Roman Empire. And we are gonna explore a performance that is the five-act Shakespearean tragedy that is the life and reign of Odoacer. Uh, it's, it, it, it really kind of follows that his like five steps. And it just, I kept thinking of the play Julius Caesar while researching this, okay. which is kind it's of classic. funny. Because uh, they both die on the same
0: day, which is even oh. even better yet. So, like like exact same day. Or well, actually, not be not exact lighter. same day. Yeah, obviously. I was about to be like, yeah, no, my Roman uh, my Roman brain was somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, on the Ides of March,
1: as we will get to later. But the Act Act One Prologue. Like many of our early kings, his early life is debated among historians. This is just happens to be one version of events that could have happened. Born in 433, he is the son of Etico the Hun, king of the Germanic Skiri, Skiri tribe who was an, actually a trusted advisor for Attila. And to give you an idea to how close of an advisor he was, he was the ambassador that Attila used for Rome, and he ended up saving Attila's life during an assassination plot
0: by the Romans. Sounds too dramatic to be true, but you know, I I agree. Truth is stranger than fiction.
1: Exactly. Uh, his mother has no name, if history <laughs> is is correct. Uh, she was said to have been a highborn Caesarian noble, and his father was not actually a Caesarian, but it is his marriage to his mother that gave him the legitimacy to be the king of that tribe. Okay. Which that actually kind of makes sense um i think in uh, anglo-saxon england too the bloodline follows through the mother and not the father even though the men have all the power which is
0: kind of odd but well you know i mean i feel like it's also just like a way to um keep power consolidated yeah if you're tracking bloodlines through mothers because uh it turns out, men can have uh, <laughs> yeah. children with a lot of women, so that would cause a whole. I mean, well, we already know that that can cause complications as far as if you're to track lineage and rulership. But yeah, and women—it's sure a way to help consolidate power.
1: Yeah, especially because like if women do it, it is men can do it all they want, but if women do it, it's considered high treason, and you're up for the death penalty for that. So. I can kind of see, like, they can, like, in their eyes, they can trust the bloodline a lot better than through a man. He also happened to have a brother named Anodolphus. Anodolphus, I a- can't pronounce that name. O-word. His brother O. Anolphus? Anolphus. Anolphus. Who will, be Anulf- Anulfus, who will later become with. a very strong ally for Odoacer. And after Attila's death and the dissolution of Attila's empire, Odoacer is set to have fought alongside his father for a little bit. And then he actually joined the Roman army. So that is all what could have happened. Now we get a little more what it still could be wrong, but it's a little more clear he officially appears in the historical record fighting as a roman soldier against the visigoths in 463 and which was during the our non-entity visigothic leader theodoric ii's reign that's the first theodoric in our story we will have another one as Uh. i'm sure you love your theo names
0: there's so many TH names, and <laughs> I can't keep track of the half of them. You know, the- Theodosius, Theodoric, Thrasimund, uh, Thrasimund.
1: Yeah, it's, yeah I, it's, it's even hard for me to keep track of it, and I've been immersed in this stuff. Like, I've been involved in Theodoric's life for the last oof, two weeks, and uh, I've gotten to know him quite well. All right, moving on moving on there's a fun little tale. like i said most of it was was fact on that part here is maybe a little fiction there's a little fun tale and it's like an origin story like a lot of great figures in mythology or history and it hits like every single beat of those stories in the life of Saint Severinus, Odoacer is mentioned to be traveling with a band of followers to Italy and he stops by the Saint's hermitage and kind of like ask for his blessing. Also, he's happens to be a seer, so he kind of, you know, wants to see his future and Severinus saw his future and he said, go on to Italy, though now covered in the hides of beasts, you will soon make rich gifts to many. So that might seem a little wordy and weird. Now barbarian kings are, their whole thing is who they give money to. You are more powerful the more gifts you give. Um, In Anglo-Saxon England, it's the giver of rings, essentially. How many gifts and how many rings you deliver is how powerful you are. It's kind of like a consumer culture. Mm. And uh, not far from us i was about (laughs) to say yeah that consumerism (laughs) never truly dies out never goes out of fashion correct so i i don't think that story is real because it's in a saint story but it's a fun little origin story and that will close the act one and we will get ready for act two Now, we for sure know he enters the scene in 470, and he is an officer in the crumbling Western Roman army stationed in Italy. Uh, And before we dive a little into what's going on with him, let's give you a little background of what's going on in the Empire. We've covered this quite a bit from many different points of view, but this is like now we're at the ground level. At this time, Western Roman emperors had a habit of overthrowing each other and letting the barbarian tribes wreak havoc of what's left in its borders, like we've discussed so many times in our previous episodes, just so that their rivals who are also Romans don't get ahead. But it's fine if the barbarians, you know, destroy everything. A little (laughs) self-interest. Just a little bit. Finally, Julius Nepos was appointed by the Eastern Emperor Leo I, who will happen to be our first Eastern Emperor when we will go through this at a much later date, uh, through the Byzantines, and uh, he is declared as Emperor of the West. And against the wishes of the Roman Senate, Nepos appointed a man named Orestes to like be his. Um, top commander for the roman army
0: okay
1: and and the senate had both good and bad reasons for this their first concern and not a very good one was that orestes was not of the high patrician class and he was more of a barbarian so you know you have good old-fashioned racism there there's classism yeah yeah classism Uh, Their second and more valid concern is that he fought for Attila and was too popular with the troops. And the reason this is valid is popular generals have a tendency to overthrow the imperial throne at this time.
0: Yeah. Well, you also need competent generals, though, too, so...
1: Yeah, yeah, but every time you get a competent general, his his troops raise him as, "Oh, I'm the new emperor," and then he's gonna get killed about a month or two months later. Well, there, there's you know, <laughs> it's the risk you take. <laughs> if you want to go through all of those emperors, check out Totalis Ranky and Roman Emperors. They go through all the emperors and they do it much better detail than I can. And uh, but it it just is one right after another who just keep attacking each other to reward nepos for you know giving him the top commander seat and probably the west the senate said told you so orestes marched his troops against nepos and then nepos fled out of italy to go seek refuge over in the balkan regions
0: senators do know a thing or two
1: yeah yeah, yeah. i wouldn't consider our today senators but maybe theirs did ha (laughs) he uh uh, Orestes then installed his teenage son and you probably have heard this name Romulus Augustulus as the western Roman emperor Mm -hmm. and his um, and uh his luck ran short pretty quickly the Roman emperors went to Orestes and went look we overthrew the Roman emperor for you you gotta pay up we want a third of Italy as permanent residents, and for for us and our families as back bay. Which you know they've been fighting on behalf of Italy for a long time now. This is not that
0: outrageous of a request. Well, third of Italy's pretty darn big, but yeah
1: but also the problem with this is the land that they would be given there's already roman citizens living on that and have been for centuries
0: yeah so it's uh, yeah not, well, not it's got to be hard to try and yeah, yeah. well i guess we'll find how it shakes out
1: yeah so for obvious reasons orestes said i i can't do that i can't meet your demands and told them as much And the soldiers, who were not pleased with this answer, went over to Odoacer's camp. And this caused Orestes to fly to Pavia in northern Italy. So now we're back in Odoacer. So he must have been a pretty high enough general and liked enough that, you know, the soldiers went, all right, we don't like this one. Let's go to this guy. (laughs) At Wow. I can't speak Italian. Piacenza. Piacenza.
0: Do you got anything Piacenza? for that? Piacenza? I don't know. I, I'm pretty bad with I I know not a, a lick of Italian.
1: Yeah, I only know grazie. That's it. Uh and that's because of Robert Langdon. Anyway, um at Piacenza. The two forces clashed together orestes was defeated and he was executed pretty much right after the b- battle and then this kind of closes act two so act three opens up on august 23rd 476 there should be a reason that that date is a little uh uh memorable otto sir is declared king of italy and there happens to be some remnants of the Roman army that are still kicking around, but he, he puts them down in the Battle of Ravenna on the 2nd of September 476. And two days later, so on September 4th, 476, Odoacer officially deposes the last Western Roman Emperor, Romulus Augustulus, a teenager, and now his title becomes Flavius Odoacer, First of his name, Conqueror of Rome, King of Italy. Woo. So pretty, pretty uh, impressive to overthrow the Roman Empire, even if it is decrepit at this time and not yeah. what it used to be. It's still to it's it's really hard to f- overthrow a way of life for literally thousands of years.
0: Yeah, well i guess the uh depends on how willing the uh new or i should sorry the old um i guess upper class is willing to kind of just you know bend into the new yeah you know whether they flee or if they just you know basically they're like yeah this is new management to us we're gonna keep doing as we always do and we probably just gotta pay this guy some money or something
1: yeah yeah you're not you're not far wrong uh we'll get into that in a bit but before we do let's uh um you know you think first that you would what would you do with this teenager who is the Mm -hmm. roman emperor who theoretically could still pose a threat to you what are what are you gonna kill him are you gonna send him on exile
0: are you gonna i ideally i mean if we're following the the previous models i mean you could always do the blinding thing because that's apparently oh that's right that's more uh palatable than the uh uh than the murder thing
1: although i think that's more more later medieval times is the blinding thing i don't recall romans doing that too quite a bit yeah maybe they
0: have but they generally just like to kill whoever was the current emperor. It's clean and simple and you don't need to feed them.
1: Yes, correct. However, (laughs) Odoacer was said to have been moved by his youthfulness and he allowed him to live under house arrest in Campania with a pension and his family and actually he was never heard of again in the written record. So either he was quietly killed in in you know under house arrest or he they literally just let him go and he
0: was fine at living in luxury you know i i have to say there are worse uh there are worse prison sentences than living in luxury yeah i would have to agree so plus i mean you know he's like a teenager it's like i know that they can sometimes come back and you know kind of like reclaim the old throne but man Seems like he's getting off pretty easy. I don't think yeah, I'm gonna push my luck,
1: especially with like a. But yeah, especially like as a teenager. Remember, teenagers at this time are fully functioning adults, or darn close to fully functioning adults. So like, we're gonna have teenager kings who are actually pretty impressive. Clovis the first will come to mind, of 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 the Franks, like they can still pose a pretty big threat and they're kind of in the prime of their, you know, their athletic life, so to speak. Yeah. Well, like you were talking about earlier, the old system was still functioning. And in fact, the Roman Senate, despite the fall of the West was still kicking around and they liked Odoacer and they wrote to Zeno, who is the emperor over the East. And they basically went, Zeno, you know what? We don't need an emperor in Rome. It's just not necessary. And you can do a really good job of ruling the entire emperor over there in the east. And we will just kind of, you know, have a king in the west. We don't need an emperor. We'll just
0: have like a minor king. Feels like, uh, feels like semantics almost at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah. And Zeno. kind of read between the lines he was not happy with this news he scolded this he wrote back to <laughs> the senate scolding them because they killed an emperor who he sent um named by the name of Anthemius and then they exiled you know Nepos under Orestes so he was not happy with the western Roman senate hmm <laughs> And then he further demanded that they bring nepos back from exile and then nepos can choose if odoacer should be given the rank of patrician and then therefore king
0: right. you,
1: you can imagine odoacer's response to this he he went yeah no that doesn't really work for me yeah i i quite like the title of king and no one over me so then he orchestrated a ceremony where he humbly in quotation marks accepted this honor of being king of Italy that was conferred onto him by the Senate. The classic oh me you're going to you know yeah. I, I will take this this you uh get horrible, so many choices. Yeah. <laughs> I will take this you know, title i against my wishes. I, yeah, I will do my best. Classic, classic move. This happens all the the time. Yeah, the reluctant ruler. This little stunt sent a clear message to Zeno. I'm not asking for your blessing, but I will rule on your behalf, but I don't care what you think. I will act like I am ruling on your behalf, but that's about it. And Zeno probably to avoid civil war and because he is probably dealing with a lot of whole host of issues over there in the east is he recognized odoacer as the barbarian as the king of the west despite his displeasure at this uncivilized behavior of overthrowing you know the emperor even though the west had a habit of doing that i don't know what he why he thought it would happen any different
0: well it's kind of a big step to have uh, roman recognition for you know
1: huge step i don't know if you remember in the Visigoths and the uh, uh, vandals they always sought the roman recognition it seemed like that is what gave you legitimacy in this time which kind of makes sense i mean rome controlled the entire mediterranean for quite a
0: while yeah. I mean, what other metric are you going to use to recognize yourself <laughs> apart from, I guess, you know, scores of, you know, blood? Yeah, exactly. Like, it... yeah, you got to have, if you want some peaceful resolution, you're going to have to get recognition from some big boys. And, you know, I can imagine it's either, you know, the church, I guess, is another, you know, potential powerhouse, or in this case, the Romans.
1: Yes. And, uh,. As we will find out quite later, the church ends up being essentially the replacement to the Roman Empire. They filled the vacuum, especially the Vatican, really fills that vacuum to keep it going. It's almost like Rome never
0: truly died. It it just morphed over and over and over again. Well, yeah, that's about right. I mean, lots of people lived there, so it's not yeah. like it's not like unless you have something very horrible happen it's not like people just like up and all and leave all at once
1: yeah short of nuclear annihilation things kind of generally are going to happen the same and then over time it's just going to change and because it's going to be like a lobster in boiling water since it's happening over time you just don't notice until it happens and you know you look back and you're like oh wow we did change but at the time you would have no idea
0: now we are a delicious crustacean meal (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> there you go well anyway after his little uh stunt there we'll have the curtains closed and you know the scenes will quickly change in the background and they'll open back up again so like we discussed earlier odoacer styled himself as king of italy and his subjects referred to him as our lord amen <laughs> And uh, Odoacer was actually very, very careful of how he played the little charade that he was ruling on behalf of Zeno. And he knew because he was ruling only on the approval of the still-functioning Roman Senate. And because of that, he grew the influence of the Roman Senate. It is actually at this point that the Roman Senate, like, becomes more powerful, which is really funny. That, like, after the fall of Rome is when it gets a lot more power to it.
0: Yeah, it was interesting,
1: and uh, well, because he knew it was the key to his legitimacy, as we've discussed. Like they hold the keys to the kingdom. Yeah,
0: so they start. Well, I mean, they'd expand it, right? The, the the Senate expanding themselves. Um, I don't know if it was that or if it
1: was he expanded them, knowing full like a kind of you know this, like this classic,
0: yeah. Like, hey, yeah. you know, we've got the king. I, I don't want to say like we got him like by the balls, you know, but like, you know, know your place, you know, king. That you you rely on our legitimacy, but obviously you kind of like have military and stuff, and that's pretty bad. So like, <laughs> yeah, it was you like know, a, it's like yeah, a it's a give and yeah, take. So correct, I, yeah, I, I can feel agree like with It that. was a coercive expansion, but that's just my uh, conniving political hat on. Yeah. So his,
1: our historian Gibbon, I he typically is not taken very seriously on like many of his, um, at least his feelings towards things and some of the things he writes. But many historians agree that his uh, he's very accurate when it concerns Odoacer's rule. And I mean, that makes sense that because you know, this is what he is truly writing about. This is what he would know really well. So he writes and then we'll let the DM
0: voice take over. The laws of emperors were strictly enforced and the civil administration of Italy was still exercised by the Praetorian prefect and his subordinate officers. Odoacer developed on the Roman magistrates the odious and oppressive task of collecting public revenue but he reserved for himself the merit of seasonable and popular indulgence like the rest of the barbarians. He had been instructed in the Aryan heresy, but he had revered the monastic and Episcopal characters and the silence of the Catholics attests to the toleration which they enjoyed
1: And quote now notice how he says the Aryan heresy I'm pretty sure he actually if I recall correctly he you know is very against the Aryans so i, I guess so <laughs> I I heresy is a very strong word even in Victorian times but uh the the key to that is at the end the Catholics were silent yeah, yeah. I saw that that is huge that is they're not silent on anything. So that just shows how much toleration he did give. And he learned from Orestes. He held true to his word to his warriors, and he provided permanent settlement for them in Italy, f- for them and their families. Because well, that's nice. I mean, it's nice, but also he was well aware that his position was due to his hor- warriors, and they had a very good relationship from him to them, and them to him, they it was like a very mutual bond of respect
0: and admiration between the two. Well, if he's a warrior guy, then he's probably the most likely candidate to actually have respect for his warriors.
1: I mean, yeah, that is true. He he, you know, he started off as what is said in the in the, the record is like a smaller you know soldier. So the fact that he did rise, he would know what their feelings are and the kind of things they go through. Yeah, makes you charismatic. Correct. So despite being humble and, you know, being a little nice to the Senate, he was not a weak king at all. At the beginning of his reign, he executed Count Bressila and really to make an example of him and to really show Odoacer is a king to be feared and obeyed. I don't know what Brasilla did. He probably did some minor infraction, and you know, Odoacer sought this as you know a a way to you know instill a little bit of fear in your subjects, so that way they don't come after you. Because oh, yeah.
0: that's how you rule in this day and age. You just put that. uh I so say you got to take someone down for putting those "kick me" stickers on the back of your <laughs> <Yes>. shirt. <laughs> put a kick me sticker
1: on it. All right. That's it. To the, Off with to your the head. gallows. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to the gallows, you go. <laughs> kicked to the afterlife. And uh, Odoacer happens to also live uh, his reign was when Geiseric is still around. He is very old, but he's still around and in fact, he convinces Geiseric to cede Sicily to the Italian kingdom that's kind of impressive remember geiseric he's he's called geiseric the cruel for a reason he doesn't take you know no shit from anyone so i wonder how he managed that unless geiseric was
0: really that old and was just like i don't even care anymore yeah i had my fun (laughs) he already he already looted rome anyways
1: yeah, that is true. He took off all the, the brass uh, <laughs> brass <laughs> tiles. Yeah. I still love that image of 14 days of, you know, you just wake up and go outside your windows, and there's, you know, a barbarian standing on your neighbor's roof, just ripping off the roof tiles and throwing them down below. That's right. <laughs> Throughout 477, back to Odoacer, he stomped out little pockets of her rib- of rebels which kept popping up like a whack-a-mole but he did it successfully and he brought some much needed stability to the kingdom this i mean the empire at this point has been just a mess to the point of almost anarchy that you know just about any general can become emperor and then he also built his defenses at the borders so it wasn't open season you know just to cross over into italy with your guns and not your guns wow your swords your knives your archers. swords blazing yeah can't yeah he uh <laughs> he made it a little more difficult to invade and then uh, remember our, our uh, buddy nepos uh He was actually killed with the people living with him in 480 in exile. And I don't know the story of this, but the way I've heard it seemed like from several other podcasts and sources is like it was just the people living with him killed him. So I wonder if they got like they were playing a board game or something and he was gloating and then they just stuck him with a knife. I I wonder what the story was of why they just grew tired of him
0: fun fact all Roman emperors uh, say, are uh, magnetically attracted to knives oh got it that makes sense that's why they kept dying that makes it's, sense wasn't essay is was, uh, people weren't trying it's just that's say it's their natural essay na- natural state Knives go in Roman Roman Emperor backs
1: yeah got it all right that makes a lot more sense yeah that's a gene you wouldn't want to pass
0: on yeah magnetic it's a magnetic spines (laughs) (laughs)
1: when Odoacer heard of this murder he marched to the villa in Dalmatia and he executed the murderers and then conveniently he went yeah Dalmatia's mine now and uh, so Dalmatia for those who are wondering is the modern day east coast of the Adriatic Sea so it's picture italy it's the land over to the right if you're looking at a map or over to the east if you're looking at a map
0: yep
1: In 487 odoacer then invaded the danube valley he goes in in that kind of area and then he subdues um there's a growing power base of the rugi tribe and before they get going you know and become a threat to his power he defeats them in battle captures their king philip oh boy there's another th word it's just in the middle philip and his wife gisa and they were executed in ravenna so he was pretty merciless towards them hmm. which i mean they're your enemy but I don't know if I'm a king. I don't know if I want to open up that door that another king can be executed. That that that's uh that's a bad precedent to send. Well, yeah, kings are kings are dropping left and right. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's just they... par the course. <laughs> that's true. Their son, well, not their son for sure. Felitheus' son Frederick raised an army to retake the kingdom, but Odoacer also pretty much handled him. And not really Odoacer, Odoacer's brother, brother O, Analthalus. I think that's the that's what we decided on. And uh, Pheno- uh, Frederick didn't die though. He fled over to the Ostrogoths under the protection of Theodoric, the soon to be great.
0: Hmm.
1: not great yet. Not great yet. And with that, the curtain closes for intermission feel free to get up stretch get something to drink eat and uh get ready for the rest of the performance this is uh this is when we start seeing it is going to become a tragedy here so buckle up all right so open up act four zeno is starting to see odoacer as a threat to his rule remember zeno is the emperor over in constantinople yep up To this point, Odoacer had secured Italy, Sicily, and he annexed Dalmatia. and he invaded the Danube region. So you can imagine, you know, that actually makes sense to Zeno, like he's overtaking the old empire over. It's only a matter of time, you know, maybe before he tries to take over his stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the big issue, da- the Danube was kind of crossing the line because technically that was under Zeno's jurisdiction. So this gave him the justification that Odoacer's a tyrant, and I'm gonna need to remove him by force if necessary. That's what it takes, huh? He's yeah. a tyrant now. Yeah, he's <laughs> a tyrant now. For then, not really, but once he once he crossed the line. That's right. And uh, Odoacer didn't help himself because he it continued to antagonize Zeno by supporting a Roman general Illus, who was being in the th- a thorn in the side of Zeno's side. So you know, just because the West collapsed doesn't mean that the East still has generals who keep trying to take over the m em- the emperorship. Yeah, or the purple robe, if you will. Eventually, w- word came to Odoacer that Zeno and a Gothic general named Thodo theodoric again the soon to be great entered into a treaty which basically said if theodoric removes odoacer from power theodoric gets the right to italy it's the classic roman strategy of pit the two barbarians against each other and then deal with whoever's victorious later basically kick the problem down the road because that worked out well right <laughs> yeah, time and time again i think it might be just a fact of you know because sometimes when they kick it down the road it's you know the next emperor's problem so <laughs> hmm. maybe Nothing like them, being the it guy actually deals the with it yeah yeah exactly and uh shortly after hearing about this agreement his scouts told him oh by the way theodoric has invaded So, on August 28th, 489, Odoacer and Theodoric have their first showdown at the Battle of Isono Bridge. And Odoacer is defeated. Not great. So, he flies, uh, he retreats to Verona, Italy. And Mm. he is defeated once again on September 27th, 489. And things aren't going really well for him. So, he flies back behind Ravenna. And uh it's defenses, which Ravenna's a very good defense force, and Theodoric knew that so instead of heading to Ravenna, he pillaged his way to Milan, and there he was welcomed with open arms by the clergy who you know are not Aryans, and the local government there. Theodoric's an Aryan, that's why that's kind of important to note mm
0: the uh it's like, this just feels like a repeat of Alaric. yep yep he does and uh
1: theodoric might too but yeah you're correct kinda so even on top of that odoacer's top general and confident tufa immediately professed his loyalty to theodoric as soon as theodoric entered going look Odo Waster sucks. I was serving under him because I had to. You're the kind of leader that I want to serve under. Are you well, buying that? Uh,
0: you keep him at arms. Uh, you know, you keep you keep him under a heavy watch and kind of at arms length.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'd have to agree. Oda Waster received this news of Tufa's betrayal, and that that destroyed just about any hope he had left. Tufa's a very, very good general for him and losing him. It was like losing and, and the forces that Tufa was leading is, is a pretty brutal blow. So Odoacer lost pretty much the rest of his, um, military strength in one false swoop. Um, at least those who weren't with him in Ravenna.
0: Hmm.
1: And Tufa, quickly became one of Theodoric's most trusted generals and so much so he was sent to with the well and so much so he was sent along with Theodoric's elite level warriors to Ravenna to convince Odoacer you're screwed you should just give up and surrender so picture that. You're you're you know, you're sitting in behind your defenses, you're pretty hopeless at this point, and then your old friend and ally betray who betrayed you shows up at your front door and says, you know, it's best if you just surrender. That would that would be such a psychological blow.
0: Yeah. That would be rough. Yeah, I think it's like where I'm just not cut out for the kingship. It's like yeah. yeah it not worth yeah, my time
1: exactly well when Tufa showed up Odo Acer kind of prepared for the worst he uh spent time between battles uh preparing for a bloody showdown at the capitol so he was like oh I'm ready this kind of sucks but all right here we go and then out of nowhere Tufa switched against the Odorix and turned against the Odorix elite forces and completely annihilated them (laughs) (laughs) turns out he was only feigning loyalty to the conqueror and he was being a double agent so that makes that makes me wonder was odoacer on this because or was or did he just like go oh
0: thank god he probably, I mean, can you ever really trust what anyone says? You're just like, well, honestly, I'm just going to, you know, hope this pans out.
1: I mean, yeah. Here's here's a theory. Again, I don't think there is any historical evidence to back this up. He would have had time from, you know, his battle to send a message off to Tufa telling him, look, you know, Theodoric's heading your way. Pretend to surrender, gain trust of him, and then, you know hit him when it hurts the most. Yeah. Otherwise, Tufa just did that out of the good of his heart or he felt just really, bad? Yeah, felt bad. I, I that's that's interesting. He he's a, that's a loyal commander right there though. That's that's pretty or, impressive. Or wishy-washy. Or wishy-washy, that is true. He'll prove to be a pretty loyal commander though. All right. Uh, Odoacer sprang out of Ravenna since, you know, he has the upper hand now, and then he p- drives the Odoric all the way to Ticinum, Tictina- Tic- which is now modern-day Pavia, located in the northwest of Italy. And then since it was about the end of campaign season, when cold weather was starting to set in, uh, he set up siege against the Odoric all winter long until, you know, fighting season opened back up again.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then in the following summer, our old Visigothic king, Alaric II, see episode 9, helped his father-in-law out, or his soon-to-be father-in-law out, by sending troops to force Odoacer to lift a siege. So, that's, this is considered one of the rare moments where the Visigoths and the Ostrogoths actually work together.
0: Okay. That's right. It's kind of coming back to me. It's been a long time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean that was uh I mean it wasn't he wasn't that memorable. He kinda was not a great king, spoiler alert if you haven't listened mm. to that episode. Well, now it's time for Theodoric to counterattack. So on August eleventh, four ninety, he sprang from Tikinum and he clashed with Odoac, Odawak- Odoacer's forces at the Adda River in Italy. Odoacer was forced to retreat once again behind the safety of Ravenna's impenetrable walls and marshes. And the reason why I keep saying this is I don't know if you remember in our previous podcast, Ravenna had incredible natural defenses. It was surrounded by marshes and estuaries, and the estuaries allowed small boats to to supply it during a siege mm. so okay he could he could just chill in ravenna all day long being like yeah yeah i still got food i don't care you know it's screwing your soldiers over who are sitting there in the field not you know not farming or getting any food you can only ravage the land for so long also his favorite general tufa was harassing theodoric and he never kind of let him get too comfortable this was starting to become a pretty brutal war of you know constant fights between the two sides and at one point tufa received an influx of warriors who decided that they didn't like theodoric anymore so while the ostrogoths and odo odo wow So while the Ostrogoths and Theodoric's forces and the forces are kind of stuck in this stalemate, our Vandal King Guthamund took full advantage and invaded the defenseless Sicily, which you remember was rich in resources. And... We didn't do an entire episode on Guthaman because not much was written about him. But remember, he was that like short-lived king that was actually competent. So, you know, they didn't like to write about him because, God forbid, you praise write the vandals. Write about your enemies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> God, don't write about those pesky Aryan vandals. That's right. So, despite the fact that Odoacer was behind, you know, the safety of the walls in Ravenna, his citizens were not. And, you know, it's pretty easy to lose support of your king when he's no longer doing the thing that he's supposed to do, which is protect you from outside invasion. I mean, that is the essential piece that government is supposed to do, is supposed to protect you at the bare basics. Like, that is the first agreement. (laughs) And so, because of this, he was starting to get a little desperate. Both sides were starting to get a little desperate. So, he sent a full-scale attack on the summer of July 9th, 491. And he was once again defeated. He's not doing very good in these battles. So, and unfortunately, he pretty much went all in in this battle and lost some of his best generals and troops. Wow. And. Yeah. So to add to his troubles, Theodoric now had almost formed a complete blockade around Ravenna, so the estuaries were now becoming cut off, and that means he wasn't now he couldn't just sit there pretty and keep receiving supplies. It was starting to become cut off. Despite this, the war dragged on for another year and a half of just brutal fighting both ways. And it's a at long some time. Yeah, and at some point while he's under siege, his best general, Tufa was killed. So, not great. It is at this very, very low point, and both sides are just exhausted from the fighting. And Italy, honestly, the land is exhausted from the fighting. Mm-hmm. John, the Bishop of Ravenna, was able to broker a treaty between Odoacer and Theodoric, and... They were to become joint rulers of italy which was I'm sure a, that'll go well it'll go greatly well and but it ended this brutal brutal war so i'm sure a lot of people were happy about the peace. for and for now. then the curtain closes to prepare for the finale so you're like why is this considered a tragedy well it's about to take a turn pretty well let's just see how it pans out act five the finale remember how well the joint rulership worked out between attila and his brother i mean it did for a while until it Atti- until attila probably killed his brother we'll never know well yeah we never will on 25th of february 493 theodoric rode into ravenna in what had to be a very awkward intense atmosphere i can't imagine how that would go i wonder if odoacer was there to meet him if he met up at the gates did he send representatives like oh everyone in this city that had to be such a surreal moment like these two parties hate each other and they've been fighting this brutal brutal war for three years now
0: Yep, and now they're partners.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this would be (laughs) like, I hate you, so I'm going to marry you. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) On the 5th of March, 493, a grand feast. Huh, it says the 5th here. On a different source, it says March 15th anyway so on march 5th or march 15th depending on who you trust a grand feast was held in the palace of honorius to cement this grand alliance and the joint rule between the noble house of odoacer and the old noble house of theodoric and the ostrogoths um Feasting—I don't know if we've talked quite a bit about—it's a huge part of the Dark Ages. You have feasts for just about everything: holidays, name days, religious feasts, funeral feasts. Any, any excuse for the nobility to party while their nobles, while their subjects starve, is is what they have feasts for.
0: Hmm, and and that's, uh, that's not depressing at all.
1: No, no, not at all. And they're a massive event every time. There's a lot of deals being done between the nobility and the royalty. A lot of um, alliances are formed or brokered in, in, at these feasts. At the main dinner, there was, like, lots of discussion, you know, drinking, merrymaking. You can hear the background noise, like a DD sound background noise all around, you know, fun around music. And they were joined this, you know fantabulous feast of food that they really missed during the brutal conflict I mean they couldn't really enjoy that much food while they're fighting each other and then a little bit during dinner instead of taking a bite out of some more delicious ham Theodoric drew his sword and slashed Odoacer on the collarbone killing him and Odoacer cried out where is God And then Theodoric replied, this is what you have done to my people. Apparently in reference to Odoacer's violence against the Rugi tribe, who were related somehow to the Goths. Huh. And then he (laughs) he further insulted Odoacer's, you know, dead corpse, or maybe, you know, barely living corpse, standing over it being like, saying, this man has no bones in his body. I don't know what insult that is, but... Like no I, spine. I, oh, there you go. He has no spine. There you go. That's a good... Yep. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. That to me is like uh, in Call of Duty when you're facing against 12-year-olds and they kill you. And then they just, you know, insult you after the... <laughs> T-bagging. <time. laughs> yeah, t bag you, essentially. Like I'm
0: glad you're dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Little else. Well, they, they had a lot more of a um <laughs> reason to be uh disrespectful than uh twelve year olds online.
1: I mean that is that is that is true. And Theodoric wasn't done. He executed order sixty six. All of Odoacer's followers were hunted down and murdered on the spot. His poor wife's Sunni Gilda was either starved or stoned to death, depending on which source you believe. Both of them are horrific. His brother was used as archery practice while under the protection of sanctuary in a church. And then his son Thela, which was he was exiled to Gaul, but for some reason Thila thought it'd be a good idea to return to Italy and then Theodoric ordered a successful hit on him and with that the last remnant of odoacer was eliminated that Just was really
0: liked italy that much
1: that wasn't yeah he or to get like revenge mm. or something like that yeah but that wasn't enough for theodoric he did not allow him to receive a christian burial which in those days meant he was condemning him to an eternity
0: of pain and suffering in hell Boy, what a, um, what a convenient rule, you know? That sounds... (laughs) Yeah.
1: And, uh, yeah, so Theodoric doesn't like him very much, and that is the unfortunate tragic end to the illustrious life and reign of Odoacer, the man who conquered Rome.
0: And then proceeded to lose it all.
1: Yeah, see how it's kind of like, uh like a, a Shakespeare tragedy there's a nice buildup you know things are going well and then right at the end everything goes to goes to hell
0: yeah usually though you usually have like if there's a soothsayer involved it's usually like you know more foretelling of tragedy that is true that is true so, uh, the gift he gave uh, the great gift that he gave was the gift of his life. and the kingdom he gave over to theodoric on a silver platter yeah so you know maybe that was prophetic after all
1: yeah yeah
0: so are you uh how long do you think he reigned for Mm, gotta be a good while what like i mean he feels like a good like 20 year ruler Oh, pretty darn close. Uh, he was proclaimed king of Italy in
1: 476, and he was murdered in 493, so around 17
0: years. All right, all right, I'll take it.
1: Yeah, pretty good. T- also, I think I would take it if I was him, except for the fact of the the dying part, the yeah. dying, I- the dying at a at a feast part by a sword. I mean, 17 years is quite impressive for that period. That's why you check weapons at the door. Yeah, but also that means, like, through a lot of his reign, which we obviously don't have that much information on, there was, the war was only, like, a small part of his reign, and uh, for most of the time, he brought stability to a very unstable Rome.
0: Yeah, well, until it sounds like he, uh, it did not, naturally. he he died and kind of lost everything so it feels like that the stability was fairly short-lived
1: yeah yeah i mean i don't know in those years you would take 10 years of stability (laughs) over centuries of or, or 20 years of instability over like centuries of you know almost anarchy and you know barbarians and romans each like destroying the the fields that as a peasant you're just trying to you know live on i just planted
0: those <laughs> <laughs> all right ready to rank him all right yep all right uh let's say here royal power all right so for the positives
1: he overthrew the western roman empire It is well known on 476 that he is the one that took it over yes it was on its deathbed but he had to deal the final blow and to, to you know become king of italy and uh you know moreover uh people love their traditions as we discussed earlier in the show so the fact that the the roman citizens and elites who previously refused any barbarian to become emperor And they were just, they were fine if a barbarian was behind the throne, but God forbid he was actually, you know, the top dog. And as long as they had an emperor, they were happy, but now it's, he's completely gone. So, I mean, to be able to do that is, is also pretty impressive. He Mm -hmm. unified Italy, acquired Sicily and Dalmatia. He fortified the borders and introduced some much needed law and order to Italy and he played by the rules of the game. He maintained his power base through diplomacy and the sword only when needed. Uh, he did the dance that he needed to f- and to hold on power for 17 years. That's, uh, that's quite a it's bit. Lengthy. Yeah. Now, the negatives. Obvious. Pretty big ones. He was assassinated in broad daylight and his entire family and their fa- his followers and their family were all purged. He did not do great against the Odoric. He only won I can recall the one battle where it was through treachery. And it wasn't even him, it was his top general who who did it. Yeah. I and, mean but
0: I mean generals are kind of an extension of your power.
1: Yeah, yeah. And like I said, he lost the entire kingdom. It's pretty bad. It's <laughs> and, pretty bad. And and Theodoric like erased any
0: <laughs> memory of him because he hated him that much. So all right, uh with all that in mind, I am willing to go with like a like a six. I'm still a on the six. positive end. Like yeah, like awful that he kind of like lost uh you know stuff, but like I don't know, he maintained fairly good record overall and still you know acquired a lot of power and held on to it for a long time it's just that the very end is a pretty big slip up so yeah yeah i mean
1: even having researched the odoric the fact that he lost every battle pretty much against the odoric except for that one is like that it has to take it down to five for me like, he didn't win anything in battle against him. He won against the Romans, who were, let's face it, were on their deathbed. I mean, the the positive I have to give is he did overthrow the empire, but I'm going to take it down to five. I, I can't give him more than that.
0: Total of 11. All right, infamy. All
1: right, some aggravating factors. He publicly publicly executed King Philetheus and his wife, gisa and uh as i discussed royalty tends not to be executed because it kind of opens the door for the same thing to happen to you and yeah. kind of extra points for killing the wife in a pretty cold-blooded way the women didn't generally have that much power in these days so like that was just an extra little you know uh yeah a little dirt kinda, in the wound kind of yeah kind of unnecessary a little salt in the wound and there was significant propaganda against him that he was being a tyrant to the roman populace not saying he was but there was definitely propaganda that the east was propagating and theodoric later propagates that he was doing that yeah now the mitigating factors executing the king and his wife um is cruel and cold-blooded as it is it's pretty necessary to remove a big threat you have to do it i mean it it sucks but like in to live in this it's kill or be killed yeah and well, he was. it
0: is kind of infamous
1: yeah uh he was religiously tolerant and he played ball with the senate not exactly you know tyrannical behavior much yeah. or less to the propaganda. And he apparently granted the inhabitants of Liguria five years exempt from taxes. So money not not going to him to help them recover from a previous corrupt Roman Praetorian Prefect.
0: Yeah. Well
1: So, I mean He's got all that, and uh, for those wondering, Liguria it still exists today. It's a thin piece of land that is the northwest coastline of Italy. Over, once you get I I don't know, top of the boot. All right, how much are you uh, are you given? He's got kind of cross the board there.
0: Yeah, um, I feel like this is like a like a three.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Not too much
0: more. Yeah, not too much to say. Yeah. So, three and three for six. Cut and dry. All right.
1: Religious passion. All right. So, when I first started looking into this section, I thought we were going to give him, like, nothing. Because, generally... Cause he's didn't... tolerant. <laughs> yeah, because he's tolerant. And, you know we tend we historically have not given many points but i went down the rabbit hole as i tend to do while researching and kind of started connecting the dots and reading between the lines of the sources and as i kept reading his passion level starts increasing in the beginning of the story remember before he was this grand general and stuff he was paying homage to a religious monk so i mean he's got something there he, despite being a devout Arian, he tolerated Trinitarian Christians, and this this is like a descendant of the Nicene Christians. Now, when we're gonna talk like later, this one in the next episode, Trinitarian is the new Nicene, which will end up being Catholic. Yep, it's just it's a long convoluted road that if you wanted to dive down, you can, but we would we don't have that time and uh that's pretty rare for christian rulers to tolerate anything that wasn't that they agreed with at this time so you have that and then uh the catholic writers never complained about him so that's a miracle if you ask me like that's almost saint-like and then he uh even if he wasn't passionate about religion, the life of Saint Iphanius by Enodius, which we talked about earlier, he devotes five out of eight sections for that saint to the restoration of the churches under Odoacer's watch. Wow. So like he wasn't just passionate about his sect of Christianity, but he seemed to be passionate about Christianity like as a whole which again is an incredible miracle in this day and age. And this is like a rare case of an actually pious king. Like, I think he has that religious passion, even though he didn't- Just not the violent
0: kind. (laughs) Just
1: not the violent kind, yeah. Like, unlike the reason, like you say, like Thrasimond who was, you know, (laughs) he had set up those debates and stuff. He didn't make a difference. Odoacer made a difference during his reign. And the church was suffering pretty bad under the inept Roman emperors. So he increased it. All right.
0: That's kind of a fun little uh, extra context. Uh, now it depends on how, how much you say passionate. Oh, you know, I'm willing to splurge and go for like a, like a seven. That's exactly what I was thinking. Ooh, I'm the a mind same reader. Week. All right so 14 easy yep stability all right positive he kept the senate
1: and he ran his kingdom like any roman emperor would without the trappings he brought law and order to a recently long time of anarchy in italy for most of his reign the obvious negative the the war between him and theodoric was brutal it left Italy very vulnerable to many forces that attacked it while those two were in a stalemate. And the land that those two were fighting on almost became like a World War One just scaled down land of, you know,
0: pretty destroyed. Yeah, pretty bad. Pretty damning. Oh, you know, I, I feel like that this is like a, I don't know, like like at least like a two, right? yeah that's exactly what i was thinking
1: yeah not not low enough to be a one not a three but a a two the war brings it down three points that's just the the and not just any war that one just every every time i read about it it destroyed a lot of things
0: yeah well he went a long time during his rule you know with uh without having too much trouble yeah exactly and that's why give him some points for it yeah So two and two for four. All right.
1: Royal demise. All right. Like this is where he shines. He was killed during a medieval banquet celebrating the unification of two kingdoms. His last words were pretty dramatic. Of where is God? And Theodoric's response <laughs> was essentially, "That's what you get, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know." For... <laughs> right here, buddy boy. You're looking it's, at him. It's like the classic end to a a, a Greek or Shakespearean tragedy. Storytelling wise, I mean, you can't get, if, in terms of character, like in terms of storytelling, that is that is the way to go out i wouldn't want to go out this way but
0: yeah for how compelling (laughs) yeah a sword to the collarbone less than ideal yeah but i'm willing to splurge on the five here yeah i'm giving him a five i think this
1: one is definitely a five
0: yeah it makes me think of um like uh what is it when uh, saruman gets stabbed in lord of the rings only in the extended cut apparently Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, he only gets killed in the extended cut. He just disappears in the theatrical release, so, you know, there's that if you ever decide to watch the films. I'm uh, still
1: 10 minutes in the first one. I have read, though, the first... I've read the prequel, which was... The Hobbit? Yeah. Yeah, I read that, and I read The Lord of the Rings, and then I got the second one to where... um... He went, run, you fools.
0: Uh, wasn't her that's first, isn't it? Or the no, that the was best.
1: the second mo- book.
0: Anyways, whatever. Anyway, uh, so. all right. So, a perfect ten. All Le- right. Oop. Legacy. Le-
1: so the obvious point: he ended the Western Roman Empire. The East is going to carry on to this, but many people consider this this is the end of ancient rome this is the end of antiquity and we are now getting into the dark ages after this
0: it's nice to that you know this this man can be credited for ushering it in yeah i i mean as we keep i know going, the times were already there like, yeah it's not like he really yeah you know, did anything that much more drastic than
1: yeah i mean yeah i think I think it's just an imaginary line drawn in the sand, but he's still credited with it. But, like, as we're going to keep
0: going, I just... Well, we have a very Roman-centric, like, you know, historic look at things. Exactly. You know, Rome falls, you know, Dark Ages begin, but, you know, obviously things kind of sucked before the quote-unquote Dark Ages, so...
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, even, like, uh, yeah... All right. He is the first King of Italy, the Roman Kings before the, the Republic, you know, before even the Republic took full control when Rome was tiny, they were, they were not what we would consider the Italian kingdom. They were a very tiny piece of Italy. Mm -hmm. So he is the first King of Italy. All right. And, uh, he laid the groundwork for Theodoric to become the great after him like uh he guided the italian kingdom in a very uncertain and chaotic time through famine he defended against foreign invasions he not all of them obviously and he expanded it for the first time in a long time rome has been contracting all through this time and now he expanded it look at him and some scholars actually go as far to make the claim that the way because we're so obsessed with rome and stuff is because Theodoric preserved the Roman Empire systems and its values so that after its collapse, it still, you know, kind of lived on, even though in name. The big negative his entire family lineage, any trace of him was wiped out after death. He didn't even get a proper burial. Autoacer, who? Yeah. Theodoric did his best to destroy him. Any remnant of him.
0: Alright. Uh with that knowledge. Uh the wipeout is a pretty big pretty big loss. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to like get it on a six, I guess. I'm
1: thinking a seven, just because he did end the the Roman Empire, I'm going to, you know cut three for the wipeout but that's pretty big being known as the person who took it out
0: that's fair you know maybe i'm a little harsh but i'll, I'll stick to my guns on this one all right it's just well i guess yeah the, the yeah the loss of the loss of the family and you know really is kind of a big one but yeah yeah he's got some he's got some good well man maybe i ought to reconsider yeah we'll stick with it so six and seven for 13. all right so how many points total out of 100 total of 58
1: not bad i don't think i think pretty good pretty pretty good uh who is that who is that close to he's kind
0: of in in the middle all on his own oh he's like between
1: the other vandal kings and
0: geyseric yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like that. Yeah. Okay, that makes so, sense. it's ah, all like, right. he, he, he's kind of in a realm on his own. I don't have the uh I don't have the Visigoths on me, but I'm sure he's got a he's got a friend in the Visigoths to camp out with and share his, <laughs> his my his surprisingly like I, don't, I guess not that surprising, but f- f- fairly impressive score. Yeah. You know. Yeah, well, Odoacer had quite
1: a life. I mean. Pretty full story. Should he be crowned as high king, become a minor lord at court, or be burned at the stake?
0: Ugh, that's a tough one. I know. Oh, like the loss is pretty big, but he changed stuff a lot. Kind of.
1: I want to say minor lord. That's my I inclination. don't think he's high king. He's he not burned. I considered he's not that it bad. for a
0: moment. I
1: considered it. I did too, but I, the he just there his battle like abilities were not there, or or Theodoric just is that good, which is possible. But yeah, I, I think I'm, I think Minor Lord.
0: Yeah, I think it's fair assessment. He gets he gets kind of cool crown. There you go. He
1: uh, he, at least gets to live. So, congratulations. for being such a high king in real life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder. I wonder if we'll get some pushback on that one. But uh, you know what? I'm gonna stick to that one for now. I, I, I just can't give enough to award him high king. No. Well, that brings us an end to the tragedy of Odoacer, the Conqueror. Please let us know what you thought of him. Did you enjoy or hate the little twist on the main quest? Did you think that it followed like a tragedy or was I way off course? That happens a lot in my life, so that that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you can message us on Facebook or Instagram at Quest for Power or email us at questforpowerpod at gmail.com. If you would like to support what we do here, please leave a review or subscribe on whatever platform you use. We will read all five-star reviews posted to podchaser.com and link is going to be in the show notes. Thank you, as always, for spending your valuable time with us. Next episode, we will get to review the long-awaited reign of Theodoric the Great and determine if he is truly great. And we will begin the kingdom of the Ostrogoths. So, for those who are getting whiplash, because we have now done four different kingdoms in four episodes, there's going to be some relief. We'll be with the Ostrogoths for a little bit. Until next time, the king is dead. Long live the king! (laughs)